This is the Mooncast. Welcome to the Mooncast. I don't want to waste any of your time. We have a lot of news to cover today, so let's just get right into it. So, ChatGDP can now predict stock moves from article headlines. Madness, right? So, this article says artificial intelligence has clearly been thriving. The capabilities of AI tools like ChatGDP justify the fever surrounding the technology. From clearing exams to posing as a potential threat to several jobs, ChatGDP is advancing at an impeccable rate, right? Alongside its other capabilities and capacities, a new report highlights how the AI tool can now predict stock moves. According to Bloomberg, ChatGDP can now foretell the fate of stocks based on article headlines. ChatGDP has employed to carry out market-relevant tasks, and two studies about the same were released. One of the studies used ChatGDP to determine if the Federal Reserve pronouncements were aggressive or meek, and the other determined whether stock-related headlines were favorable or unfavorable. The AI chatbot cleared both the above-mentioned tests. This further highlighted how a multitude of text from new news articles, tweets, and even speeches could be converted into trading signals. This is madness, guys. But is this something that I've been predicting for a while now? Like, I don't know how the market's are going to be i don't know if ai how you can basically stop an open source software from being able to be used and plugged in on the api of different uh platforms to be leveraged for optimal trading bots and utilization so i don't know what they're going to do to defend this, this this type of thing but i just know that the entire landscape of markets and trading is going to change every vertical is going to be affected by artificial intelligence but there's going to be definitely new products launched that do have optimal ai trading bots that also have you know all the different elements that you need and have basically have access to the open web too as well so it's going to be quite interesting moving forward to see the implementation of these things i am bringing somebody on the podcast who does have some trading bot tooling and i believe it does have ai uh, uh backing too as well as a natural inclination of the future that we will continue to see more and more of these type of services start to roll out that are leveraging the ChatGDP open ai apis to be able to facilitate more accurate predictions in trades with their trading bot and so on so let's move on to the next topic so apple car launches a new high yield savings account in partnership with goldman sachs this is uh i find this pretty pretty funny man because uh how are they getting the yield but let's 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 go ahead let's read a little bit of the article so it says apple card has officially launched its new high yield savings account to users today wherever the account is offering 4.5 15 um, APY to users, according to a press release issued today. Subsequently, 
Apple notes that the rate is more than 10 times the national average. Okay, sounds, sounds cool. The new feature from Apple allows users to grow their daily cash rewards with a new savings account from Goldman Sachs. Additionally, the feature requires no fees, minimum deposits, or minimum balance requirements, the, the press release stated. And so this is very interesting for me because I there has to be a catch, right? They're, they're more than likely probably locking up funds is what I'm assuming, right? So I just don't see a way in which you can roll out a product that has a more competitive high interest savings or yield than you know some of the products that are already available through the bank without some kind of caveat right how are they getting the yield what are they doing with the capital that you deploy is the capital you deploy locked up these are all different things that you need to be asking yourself before you deploy capital into this service right because you want to be careful and understand the counterparty risks involved and so when i see stuff like this i'm always very mindful and i do my digging to see where the yield is actually coming from as you do know we did have a lot of crashes with these high yield savings products, these Web2 products that were coming out during the last bull run that just passed recently. You know, you did have the Voyager where they were offering a 9, 10% rate with, with USDC. Then you did have Celsius, you know, they were offering a high yields too as well. You had BlockFi offering high yields with, with Bitcoin and Ethereum. So no one ever asked, okay, if I deploy my capital here, how are they getting the yield? And typically what ends up happening is what they're doing is they're taking that capital and they're loaning it out to another unsecured or secured creditor, right? And that creditor is taking that capital and probably deploying it out to invest, right? And if those investments go bad, like what happened with Three Arrows Capital, which they were taking loans from, you know, Voyager and other different Web2 high interest companies, right? Services. And, you know, their investments crashed while well, they couldn't pay back the loans. And that means that the consumer loses because then that means that they don't have the liquidity to be able to pay back the consumer when everyone starts withdrawing the money as the bull run winds down. Right. And so this is stuff that you need to keep in mind when you're thinking about deploying your capital and you need to weigh the pros and the cons and the counterparty risk involved. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So Twitter enables crypto and stock trading through eToro, right? This is very interesting. I don't have Twitter, to be honest with you guys, but I am something that maybe I'll go and investigate and check out just to see the development of this. But it says here, this article, Twitter has officially enabled crypto and stock trading through its partnership with eToro. Moreover, the move arrives following news earlier this week surrounding the collaboration between the two companies, initially allowing the observation of real-time stock and crypto prices, right? The in integration of the digital asset industry and the social media platform has been slowly building. Specifically, the platform initially launched a feature in December that allows users to search for a tick or coin symbol to observe prices right consequently enabling uh, stock trading is the latest development of those efforts right so this is very interesting but again if they're doing crypto trading 
do I, how do I know that I actually own those, those, those assets, right? And those assets are actually backed one to one in the back end. I don't know that, and I don't know if, if they're if they're if you if you own your own keys or you can take it you can take the crypto that you're trading on or deploying your capital to buy and take it off of the exchange. So I'm guessing basically it will be a feature. I haven't looked on Twitter yet, but I'm guessing the feature is basically on Twitter where you click a link and it will take you to yeah yeah I see it right here. So it takes you to view on eToro right, and so it indirectly redirects you to eToro, right? And then you go on eToro and you're able to trade, right? Stocks, crypto. But from my understanding with eToro, you're you're not able to take your coins off the exchange. So they're actually not yours. And as you know, in crypto, not your keys, not your crypto. So for me, I'm always quite skeptical when I see these products launched. I know Twitter is moving more towards crypto, and adding different products and services that tie around crypto, you know, they're starting to market a little bit here and there with Doge. Potentially, we'll be able to maybe tip with Bitcoin and Ethereum. I'm not entirely sure, but over the course of time, they will be slowly rolling out and integrating new features that tie into crypto, right? So this is very interesting, but it does raise the awareness of crypto and helps to legitimize it. But at the same time, it's definitely something that you there's a counterparty risk again involved and i'm sure you need some form of kyc right to be able to buy the crypto right so not everyone's going to be able to access it depending on where you live and so it's something else to keep in mind too as well but it's a very interesting partnership and yeah we'll see where it goes from here you know elon's been making headlines you know in the crypto space a lot as of late within the past few years so yeah let's move on so the sec charges bitrex crypto exchange for violating federal laws right so this is another exchange the sec is going after for violating laws that in my opinion aren't clear and concise and so a lot of companies are being confused right you 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 have which we'll get to later the issue of potentially Coinbase leaving the US, right? Because of unclear laws where they've been literally telling the SEC for over half a decade now. They've been telling them, hey, look, regulate us. Please regulate us. Please give us regulation. And they haven't done it, right? So I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen in for the future of crypto in the US, but it doesn't look good and if I was a crypto company or thinking about launching a crypto company, I would definitely not be launching it in the U.S. with such regulatory unclarity. I would be moving to more crypto favorable environments such as in El Salvador, such as in Dubai, you know, in Malaysia. These types of areas, they're a little bit more friendly when it comes to crypto. And... Yeah, so let's read the article. It says, in one of the latest scrutinies, the, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, has charged cryptocurrency exchange Bittrex and, the, and its former CEO for numerous federal law violations. According to the latest details from a press release, Bittrex Global GMH, GMBH and its former CEO, William, I don't want to butcher his name, Shiharas, Shihar, I don't want to butcher it, but anyways, William, were charged by 
the SEC for operating in an unregistered national securities exchange broker and clearing agency, right? And this doesn't make any sense because there's no real clarity with crypto, which we'll get into later when there was a hearing with Gary Glenser, Gary uh, Gensler. So in, in, in basically one of the guys asked Gary Gensler if, you know, Ethereum was a security or or a commodity and he couldn't answer the question and anyways we'll get into it later a little bit later um throughout the durations podcast but i just find it interesting how they're trying to scare these crypto companies and thinking that they can file these lawsuits which is basically just hurting them anyways because you're now hindering business and when these companies are not making money well then they're paying less tax and when they're paying less tax, then you have less revenue throughout the duration of the year. And then you have a larger deficit, which then you have to print money to make the difference or borrow the money to make the difference by issuing out bonds. But yeah, anyways, let's get into the next piece of news. So you see here we have United Emirates to begin crypto licensing process, as you can see here. You see, these guys are forward-thinking guys, you know? They're inviting the people to come and innovate and be at the forefront of innovation and become the new Silicon Valley, which I think it's either going to be United Emirates or it's going to be El Salvador or it's going to be a combination of the two. They're going to be the new top-tier locations for innovation in Web3. Web 2, the U.S. had it, you know, with Silicon Valley and everything. But I think Web 3 is going to be between these two locations in the long term. But let's read a little bit of the article. It says the crypto industry has been expanding without any major hurdles. However, this growth comes with ill doers as well. Therefore, in order to avoid any potential scams and downfalls through the market, governments have been sprucing up their regulations. The United Emirates seems to be moving in the same direction, right? So earlier this week, UAE's uh, Securities and Commodities Authority revealed that it would soon start accepting applications for crypto licenses, right? Businesses looking to set up shops in the UAE and provide crypto services across the region will be required to gain approval, right? So at least they have a clear way in which you can then uh, apply for this license and get the approval to then be able to operate regularly and without harming your business because of some random wells notice out of nowhere that absolutely makes no sense at all because it doesn't correlate to the current legal framework that exists and yes i'm speaking about the united states right now so when you're looking at Countries that are more so favorable to cryptocurrency, they know what they're doing, right? I completely love the way Dubai handles their country like, or not Dubai, but the United Emirates operates like a business, right? They operate like a business. They knew that lowering, for instance, if you look at Dubai, for instance, right? They lowered the taxes to zero, right? Which then what? Entices the entrepreneurs to come, right? Which then in turn creates jobs for the locals which then basically pumps up the economy and then you have all the jobs there and then eventually you'll increase the taxes incrementally now they're i think they're 
as of this year, they're going to have a 9% inland tax or something like this, right? Or mainland tax or whatever they're calling it, right? Corporate tax for, for businesses that are actually mainland and are actually making their money from Dubai. So they're very, very strategic because they knew that the oil is going to eventually run out and they need to diversify. So they built up the entire city, right, in Dubai. And for tourism, so they're getting tours, tourism income and then as well, they lowered the taxes to zero to entice the entrepreneurs. It's just very, very strategic, right? So the article also reads, following a resolution by the UAE Council of Ministers to, re uh, to regulate the cryptocurrency industry last year, the licensing system was authorized by the SEC, uh, SCA, which is the Securities and Commodities Authority, on April 17th. Furthermore, early, early this year, the SCA assumed control of the sector, right? This move could be attributed to the increased number of firms that have been entering the UAE. Earlier today, major crypto exchange Bybit entered UAE by setting up its headquarters in the region, right? Guys, and this is going to continue to happen, right? You're going to start seeing these exchanges flooding, these NFT projects flooding, all these different Web3 and DeFi products. They're all going to be flooding into places like uae places like in el salvador that's just more favorable and friendly to the forefront of the new landscape of innovation right and so yeah and um it says what do crypto firms need to keep in mind while applying companies requesting licenses from primarily need to show operational efficiency and flexibility alongside they have to adhere to a set of operational regulations which is fine the statement further read a person wishing to engage in virtual assets activities shall have headquarters in the state to conduct his business according to one of the legal forms approved by local authorities concerned with commercial licenses, right? So super important, guys. UAE continues to make moves the right way. Really like what they're doing. And yeah, so let's move on to the next piece of news. So here we go. We got Brian Armstrong highlights chances of Coinbase moving out of the U.S. Oh, my God. What a shocker, guys. So <laughs> let's look and see. It says the crypto industry has struggled to thrive in the U.S. Duh. The uncertain, the uncertain regulatory environment and the hostility of lawmakers towards the industry have curbed its growth. At this rocky relationship between the crypto market and the U.S. government persists, businesses may soon move out of the region. Oh, my God. What a surprise. Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, seems to be stirred by the lack of regulatory clarity in the U.S. This has further prompted him to highlight the possibility of the firm moving out of the U.S. appearing at the FinTech Week in London. Now, that's interesting. Armstrong stated while answering a question put forth by the U.K.'s former Chancellor George Osborne, Anything is on the table, including relocating or whatever is necessary. Coinbase has a strong hold on the U.S. market. Now that the, the Binance is under the radar of the government, the Armstrong-led exchange could have an upper hand, right? However, it seems like regulators were targeting the entire industry and not just one firm. Oh my God, really? <laughs> this is crazy. But anyways... Uh, he further added, I think the U.S. has the potential to be an important market for crypto, but right now we are not seeing that regulatory clarity that we need. 
I think in a number of years, it would if we don't see the regulatory clarity emerges, if we don't see the regulatory clarity emerges in the US, we may have to consider investing more elsewhere in the world. Smart move. Coinbase's stock has been faring immensely well. It was listed as one of the best performing large cap stocks of this year. This despite the fact that Securities and Exchange Commission went sent a Wells notice <laughs> to the firm, right? So if you see the top best performing large cap stocks of 2023, you have Coinbase up 82%. Um, you have NVIDIA up 79% at number two. Facebook up 77%, right? Meta. Then you have Spotify up 63% at number four. Rolls Royce, which is interesting, up 61%. You have a line up 59%, Segan up 58%, Tesla up 55%, PetroChina up 51%, and Mercado Libra up 50%, right? So, yeah, um, that's the Coinbase potentially. Well, okay, let me, let, me, let me continue with the article here. It also says that, it always says the UK could be on the cards for Coinbase, Armstrong stressed one prominent reason for Coinbase potential relocation to the country, right? The U.S. entails a lot of regulators trying to oversee the crypto industry. For instance, Commodity Futures Trading uh, Commission, so the CFTC and, and the SEC, have been monitoring commodities and securities separately. In the U.K., however, the Financial Conduct Authority is in charge of both, highlighting the turf battle between the CFTC and the SEC Armstrong added. He also said that we actually had contradictory statements from the heads of the CFTC and the SEC coming out almost every few weeks. This is facts. This is a security one day, it's a a commodity the next day, and it's a security. It's just like, it's just pick one, what it is, so we have some kind of legal framework so that people can operate normally. Like you're just hindering the business and it's just stagnating growth, right? And the U.S. is already behind on GDP in correlation to the amount of money that they spend, right? Which we'll get into later in in regards to looking at charts and whatnot. So it says, um, how is a business going to operate in that environment? We just want a clear rule book, right? So additionally, Armstrong recently revealed that he would be given uh, propositions to UK with regard to taxes and regulations among other things, right? So yeah, that's the Coinbase and the Brian Armstrong highlights chances of Coinbase moving out of the US news. Let's move on. And so here we have Bank of America CEO predicts a mild recession is coming. <laughs> I, We've been in a, in my opinion, we've been in a recession, right? But again, we're not in a recession until they say we're in a recession Jerome Powell, chairman of the of the um, Federal Reserve, did state that there would be a soft landing. Right, that's the that's the point of the incremental twenty five basis point rate hikes. Right, to eventually get to a point of where you are, you know, incrementally pulling the liquidity out of the economy, and that way. There's no sudden, okay, we just increase like 100, 100 bips every single rate hike meeting. We increase 100 bips. 
and where it cripples the economy really, really fast and everything goes down in the downward spiral really fast and things become more deflationary. Instead, you incrementally increase it by 25 bips in hopes that you can have this soft landing where prices are slowly starting to come down. But in my opinion, prices aren't really coming down. Inflation seems a little bit more sticky. When you look at consumer prices and goods, you look at real estate, right? Real estate's a bit sticky right now. The prices aren't really coming down. And so, yeah, you know, but here's Bank of America just know, stating the obvious. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and let's move on to the next thing. So here we have BRICS wants to weaken the US dollar, White House says. Oh my God, what a surprise, guys. So it says in a statement issued today, White House economist Jared Bernstein says that there is some evidence that China wants to weaken the US dollar. Hmm. Maybe it's the 19 countries that are on the wait list to apply for BRICS, or maybe it's the fact that they're partnered with Russia to trade in more Chinese yuan and Russian rubles and remove themselves from dollar dependency. Or maybe it's the, it's the fact that China is loaning out so much money to Africa and trying to let Africans use the Chinese yuan as a form of, of, of trade between them. There's so much evidence that this is this is super obvious. I don't know why they're making this statement. I don't know what the purpose of this means in the landscape of things when we already kind of know this. If you've been following the news and you haven't been living under a rock for the past few years, you know. So I think that over time, my assumption is that potentially what can happen is that we can be in this sort of multi. I think in the next like, let's say 20 years. Right. This is my prediction. This is just my opinion. Right. I think that in the next 20 years, we could live in this sort of multi-currency type of environment. And in this multi-currency reserve type of environment, we will have a, a multitude of different reserve currencies like running afloat. Right. Maybe one of them is gold. Maybe another one of them is bricks. As the U.S. dollar starts to decline, the U.S. dollar will still be one of them. And then the other one, I think, would be Bitcoin, right? Because my theory is that as BRICS continues to gain steam and more countries continue to join and and decrease their dollar dependency, well, they're going to launch also the CBDC, right? As the, the, um, the layer on top of whatever it is. So if, let's say... They're backing it by gold. They're going to launch the CBDC to track it through the chain, right? And the U.S. will have their CBDC, which they're rolling out the Fed now beta version in July. And what I think will happen is when countries are trying to facilitate international trade, well, they don't want to be holding other countries CBDCs who aren't in BRICS because other countries will have their CBDCs. They don't want to be maybe holding the U.S. CBDCs. Maybe they don't want to be holding CBD, CBDC reserves at all because they don't want that potential counterparty risk. So a good way to solve the problem, and I hate to say that Bitcoin fixes everything, but it, it's Bitcoin, right? Because it's a neutral asset that nobody controls that if you hold it in your balance sheet, you don't have the counterparty risk of it being confiscated or frozen through through the chain, right? And so that's kind of how I see things moving forward. But yeah, let's move on to the next thing. And so here we have Gary Gunter expresses concerns of crypto realm in a recent testimony, right? So 
<laughs> Gary Gensler, man, this guy is a, he's a funny guy. So Gary Gensler and the SEC have been targeting the cryptocurrency industry for quite some time. While the cryptocurrency industry has been welcomed with open arms by several nations, facts, the U.S. is exhibiting a different attitude. In one of the recent testimonies with the House leaders today, uh, SEC Chair Gary Gensler expressed his concerns about the current the cryptocurrency realm. Gary Gensler says cryptocurrency is incompatible with current securities laws. Yes, this is this is facts. There needs to be a reconstructing because we've never when they made these laws back in whenever they made them in the early 1900s or whatever. They weren't thinking that we would ever transition into digital money. This wasn't a thing, right? Everyone, everyone was paying in cash. Things were completely different. And it was clear what a security and what a commodity was, right? But with the emergence of new technologies that are decentralized and open source, they can't be stopped even if they keep pushing out articles that say that they can ban them. What ends up happening is there needs to be a retooling and restructuring of the entire landscape of the laws and regulations put in place within these governments, right? And so it says here in this article, during during the House Financial Services Com- Committee hearing of SEC Chair Gary Gensler, he was thrown with several questions regarding the cryptocurrency realm. During the testimony, Gensler mentioned that I've been in and around finance for 40 years and I've never seen a field that is so non-compliant with securities laws. And so, again, his issue is compliance, right? So when we people ask him questions in regards of how take can be more compliant and he doesn't have a clear-cut answer to those questions being asked, it then you bent you then begin to think, okay, maybe there's something bigger here that's happening. Maybe you're trying to drive away these companies, these crypto companies and innovation so that you can convince the general population that your CBDC that's powered by the blockchain, but the miners that you control is a much better solution than Bitcoin. Maybe a financial dystopia is a better solution than digital sovereignty, than financial sovereignty, than financial freedom, right? Which is what Bitcoin offers. It's two separate systems, right? So... It's really, really strange that they continue to try to push this narrative and try to paint cryptocurrency as the bad guy when it's just a new age, a new form of emerging technology that's a new form of communication and distribution of value amongst people that's frictionless and peer-to-peer. Why is it that if I want to buy a piece of gum or I want to buy a, a, I don't know, anything, a piece of, like a loaf of bread, why do you need to know what I'm buying? Why do you need to know that? Maybe some people might disagree with me, but I don't understand that why they need to know every single aspect of what I am buying and what everyone else is buying and what we're doing, right? Like no one ends up, no one, a lot of people just go through life not trying to question or draw some kind of rationale behind why is the government wanting to know every single thing that we're doing and know every single the geolocation stuff, you know, all this different now with the tick with the restrict act that's being, you know, flirted with and potentially being proposed. Right. 
where they they say that they want to ban TikTok, TikTok, but underneath the bill, they are basically going to fine you for using a VPN up to $1 million and put you in jail for 20 years for using a VPN. And so when you look at the aspect of all these things that is going on, you start to wonder, are you really out for my best interest or are you out for your own? So anyway, guys, let's let's move on to the next topic. So Donald Trump launches a second series of his NFT collection. Meanwhile, the, the mass media keeps saying crypto is bad. Our former president here is, is launching another NFT collection. The other one, I think, went really, really well. It says in 20... 22 sales of non-fungible tokens experienced a general decline. However, the market experienced a surge of interest when news emerged about the launch of Donald Trump's NFTs. On December 15, 2022, Trump unveiled his first NFT collection titled the, the Trump Digital Card Collection, which features artistic representations of his life and career. The collection generated significant interest and quickly sold out of the following day, resulting in an increase in NFTs value from their initial Price point of $99 to cash in on the popularity. Trump has launched a second series of NFT collections, right? And yeah, so that's the Trump NFT collections news. But hold on, let's 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 look here too as well. It also says it also says here that even though Trump was indicted recently, his NFT game is on track. According to details from his recent post on Truth Social. Trump is launching his second series of digital trading cards for this NFT collection after success of the previous launch. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. So it says Trump's new NFTs will be minted on the Polygon and the floor price of the NFT will also remain the same as well, right? However, the second series will feature different art features and traits. Series two will have a total of 47,000 NFTs, 2,000 more than the series one so yeah for those interests i don't know if they're already currently trading because this article is about a few weeks old it's it was uh, on april 18th so if you guys are interested in that maybe you can buy in the secondary market on open c it should be available right and yeah so let's move on to the next topic and so here we see that the u.s congressman officially introduces bill to remove SEC <laughs> SEC chair Gary Gensler, right? This is this is hilarious, you know, because people are seeing this as clown world, right? But what's going on, right? And so following his intentions to bring forth the legislation, US Congressman Warren Davidson officially introduces a bill to remove SEC chair Gary Gensler. Moreover, Davidson spoke at the conclusion of Gensler's con congressional hearing calling for a restructuring of the SEC. In a statement that was a, that was crucially honest, Davidson cited Gensler's failure to protect investors and abuses of power as the basis for regulators restructuring. Additionally, the closing remarks ex executed a clear in introduction of legislation that places an ex executive direct uh, why can't I speak? an executive director to report directly to the board, right? And so, guys, you see people are starting to get tired of this nonsense and they want to restructure the entire landscape of how things are working in the SEC, right? Because the current landscape of how things are, it's not working, right? For this new emerging technology, there needs to be a restructuring of the entire framework and people are starting to realize that. And I think and I hope that 
this bill will go through and it will get passed and we can come up with a better sort of landscape of leaders or a better sort of governance in this case to be able to facilitate an, op an optimal legal framework for the cryptocurrency industry, right? So anyways, guys, let's let's move on to the next piece of news. Russia, pre Russia prepares draft law to allow crypto for international trade, right? And so Russia's moving in, guys. So meanwhile, while the U.S. sits on the sidelines and starts driving innovation and business out, people from the other end of the spectrum are, are starting to see that as an opportunity to drive business in, right? And so several nations around the world have been reconsidering the, the currency or mode of payment for international settlements. On one hand, a host of them intends to reduce the influence of the U.S. dollar for trading. On the other hand, there are other nations opening doors for crypto to be accepted for settlement. Russia is one such country that is moving forward in the latter direction, right? A recent report revealed that the central bank is weighing in on the possibilities of using digital currencies like crypto for international settlements. In fact, a draft law is already being prepared, right? And so it says, furthermore, to read at an event with representatives of the new People Party, the chairman of the central bank, I don't want to butcher that name, recently told that the regulator can use digital assets for settlements with foreign entities, right? Such operations will be reportedly feasible within the framework of the experiment. As noted by the chairman of the central bank, I don't want to butcher the name again, the central bank opposes the use of crypto within the state. However, such funds can be used for external payments. This likely means that special institutions will be created in Russia that will engage in mining and crypto transfer to foreign structures. Such organizations will also be reportedly engaged in operations with, with other digital finance, right? The central bank is parallelly consulting with the government about which institutions can be allowed to do the same. The report, the report pointed out that these institutions will presumably be entrusted to a state company first. Moving forward, private enterprises will also be added to the picture, right? And it also states that in this article, Russia is also in favor of inter internationalizing the Chinese yuan, right? Which we already know. As you guys know, China and Russia's relationship just continues to grow. And it only makes sense because of the commodities that Russia has and the manufacturing that, that China has. It's a perfect synergy and harmony between them, right? And so it's in both of their best interests for both of them to kind of succeed. So anyways, let's move on to the next piece of news. And so here we see that Hong Kong court recognizes cryptocurrency as property, right? So when it comes to cryptocurrencies, governments across the world have been confused about their true nature. While some brand it has, wait, it says while some brand it, ha it as a commodity. Oh, sorry. Excuse me, guys. It says while some brand it as a commodity, the SEC has been trying to frame it as a security. In one of the recent court rulings involving now closed crypto exchange Gatecoin, a Hong Kong court has recognized cryptocurrencies as property. The details were shared by the law firm Hogan Lovells in one of the recent blogs, right? And so the court ruling concluded that cryptocurrencies are 
properties that are capable of being held in trust according to the details. And so this is very important, guys, because Hong Kong basically is establishing that cryptocurrencies are property there. And they did this in a matter of, I believe, months, right? It didn't take them so long to create legal frameworks so that people can have clarity when investing in cryptocurrency. Now, despite what you may think about Hong Kong, whether it's it's like kind of a weird situation where it's located, I guess it's, it's part of China, kind of part of, it's, it's weird, right? But anyways, you can see that they at least are trying to invite people to be able to come there and innovate and not stifle innovation like the US is, right? So you see yet again another country that's at least establishing some form of legal clarity and framework so people and businesses can operate without any headaches and random wells notices being you know sent to them at a moment's notice so let's move on to the next piece of news so here we have house republicans propose raising debt limit by 1.5 trillion or extending to march 20 march 31st 2024 so yeah, so it says, in what is a vital debate for the country's economic state, U.S. House Republicans have proposed raising the debt limit by $1.5 trillion for extending it until March 31st, 2024. Moreover, the proposal calls for implementing whichever comes first, according to NBC reporter Jake Sherman, right? The debt ceiling negotiates negotiations have become a focal point of the U.S. economy. Subsequently, House Republicans have been seeking a new budget proposal from de Democrats prior to settling a debt limit increase, right? Alternatively, recent developments have seen the former submit, uh, submit, has seen the former submit their proposal, right? And so when we're looking at the landscape of the debt ceiling, right, obviously, well, for those who have been able to do their research and look at the landscape of how things are, we can see that the debt ceiling has to be increased, right? And I'll show you guys a quick chart, actually, to, to, to show you guys basically the landscape of what the budget was looking like in 2022 in the U.S., right? So when you're looking at these things, right? And um, so when you're looking at the total revenue, Right, that was generated by the federal budget um, or the, the 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 U.S. Right, so the the, the total revenue is, is around 5.03 trillion. Right, and you're looking at it and you see individual income taxes was part of the equation. Right, then you see the payroll taxes, you see the corporate income taxes. Right, and then you see the customs duties, sales, and um, other different miscellaneous taxes too as well. Right, and so when you're looking at all these different generational these, these um wealth generate generated i can't speak english today when you're looking at the amount of wealth that was generated in the u.s in 2022 what you find is that the total revenue is around 5.03 trillion but then when you're looking at the other end of the spectrum and you're looking at the total spending right you're looking at around a 6.48 trillion in total spending because when you're looking at that they have to pay for the social security you're looking at the national defense and the veterans you're looking at the medicare you're looking at assistance to individuals interest on the debt transfers to states and other forms of 
miscellaneous spending, right? And so again, the total revenue is 5.03 trillion. The total spending is 6.48 trillion. When you're looking at the combination of the two and you're doing your simple basic math, they're operating at a deficit of about 1.46 trillion as of last year. And so when you're looking at the landscape of this, then you're starting to awaken and see the fact that they have to make up the difference somehow and how they've been doing it since they went away from the gold standard is they issue out bonds and they print money, right? One way or another, they print money. Either they issue out these bonds, the people buy the bonds and then and or they just they 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 get the they get the money at a close to 0% interest rate, right? They 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 decrease the interest rates to almost zero, right? And then it allows the banks to buy cheap debt and then re reissue the debt to the end consumer at a higher rate and make a profit. And that in turn increases the money supply over time. And so they have different tools that they utilize, but the idea is that they continue to have to print money to make up the differences in the deficit. And so when you're looking at this entire landscape and you're seeing that they need to increase the debt limit and they're arguing over it, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, it has to happen, right? Because if they don't increase the debt limit, then that would mean that they need to force some form of austerity measures. And so that would be political suicide because no politician wants to run a campaign where they're spending less money and they're saying, hey, you know, we need to cut down on the spending to make up for the deficit because we're not producing enough. And so that is another option that it could take, but they would never do that, especially when you're the global reserve currency and you have that ability to ease right quantitative easing whenever you see it's suitable for you and other people consumers people who hold your assets in their reserves assets start to depreciate as you start to enter more money into circulation within the macro economy right so that is basically the breakdown of that. So let's move on to the next piece of news. So, guys, breaking, man. Just to let you guys know this article was posted in April 19, 2023. But Tesla has not sold any of their Bitcoin as of Q1 2023. Amazing, right? So Tesla is one of the leading automotive and cleaning energy companies owned by Elon Musk announced today that one that none of their $321 million worth of Bitcoin was sold in the first quarter of 2023. The company did not buy or sell any of its Bitcoin according to its Q1 update, right? Diamond hands, baby. Elon has those diamond hands, man. And so it also says Tesla's Bitcoin valuation remained flat even as Bitcoin rose to about 28,500 at the end of the first quarter from 16,500 three months earlier. It is the third con consecutive quarter that Tesla made no changes to its Bitcoin holdings. And so it also says uh, the company reported first quarter revenue of 
23.33 billion. It also said in a quarterly update that Tesla had a net profit of 2.5 billion. This is down from 3.32 billion a year earlier, right? So Tesla's starting to come back on the up and up. And as you know, that their stock price is starting to rise too as well. And so, yeah, guys, Elon Musk has those diamond hands, baby. And while the mass media continues to push this narrative that all these people are dumping their Bitcoin, the whales continue to accumulate while they keep trying to say and blame the banking crisis on the crypto industry when it's a banking issue. And it's clear to see now that banks are starting to crash that aren't even connected to the cryptocurrency industry. You're looking at First Republic Bank. You're looking at... PacWest and all these other banks that are already starting to fall to as well, you start to realize that they're trying to control the narrative, but they haven't realized that information is now decentralized and we can find information from the right educators on the internet. And so we no longer have to be beholden to a mass media outlet that's spewing information to brainwash the people into controlling the narrative that they want you to believe, right? And so, yeah, let's move on to the next thing, guys. And so we see here Microsoft illegally trained AI with Twitter data, right? That's what that's what Elon Musk is saying. So Elon says Microsoft illegally trained their AI software using Twitter data in recent tweets. He alleges that the technology corporation has done this, ripped off Twitter's database and sold its data to other parties. Interesting. So. As things continue to become really competitive with these big tech companies, right? And you see this this comes shortly after Microsoft dropped the social media platform from its advertising platform, <laughs> refusing to pay the application's API fees. The API provides data on the kinds of conversations occurring on the platform, which helps researchers understand what the online world is talking about, right? And yeah, so... He says Elon Musk has previously shared concerns over Microsoft, in particular to the company's access to ChatGDP technology. He has voiced his strong opinion on both Microsoft and AI technology in the past. Musk now threatens to sue the corporation outright for using Twitter data in the training of its AI tech. Microsoft has yet to respond to Elon's allegations or threats to sue. Musk himself hasn't shared further comments on pursuing the, the lawsuit. And I think this is pretty funny because AI, Elon has purportedly stated before that AI is dangerous, right? And if you look here, like if you look at here at this following article that I have, I just wanted to pull this up, right? And it says like Elon says that people should be cautious with AI because the tech is a danger to the public, right? I'm just, I'm just, just follow me, follow me out here, guys. Just, just stay with me, right? So it says here that Elon is still quite concerned about the advanced artificial intelligence. In an interview with Fox News, Tucker Carlson tonight he said people should be cautious with AI and advise that there should be gov government oversight because the tech is dangerous to the public. Right. Just hear, hear me out here, guys. Let's just continue this for a second. But it says that Elon says that I think we will have a better chance of advanced AI being beneficial to humanity in that circumstance if the government's controlling it. Right. And so this is this is interesting, right? This is from Business Insider, right? This report, and um, this report was was um, published on the nineteenth of uh, April, right? So when you're looking at this, right, this is funny. So Elon basically is 
kind of bashing AI and saying it's too dangerous and the government should control it. Meanwhile, when you look here, you see, on, on the, this is the Tesla website, right? AI and robotics is part of their development. We develop and deploy autonomy at scale in vehicles, robots, and more. We believe that an approach based on advanced AI for vision and planning supported by efficient use of interface hardware is the only way to achieve a general solution for full self-driving bipedal robotics and beyond, right? And guys, you can, this is all public knowledge. You can go on their website and you can check this out. So Elon is basically bashing Microsoft for using ChatGDP because they're a competitor and they're really serious because the Bing tooling that they have makes it quicker to cipher and index information and be able to get the exact information that you need with references right now. And that's plugged into the open web. And so, and it's collecting data every time people are typing on there. And so they're really trying to compete with Google. They're trying to compete with all these different companies that are leveraging AI and data. And for me personally, I think data is the new oil. The people who control the most data can make a clear cut analysis on what people are doing and they can leverage that data and analytics and sell that to marketers so marketers can better market to the end consumer and so they can make more money. And so he who controls majority of the data is going to win in the long term, in my opinion, right? This is how I'm seeing the landscape of this, these data wars, you know, with all these different companies, they're trying to basically play tug of war with data and people's privacy, right? And the more data that you have, the better it is for you overall as a company, because you can always leverage the data and sell that data off, right? I think every company, every business should be collecting data from clients and so on and so forth. So it's very interesting that Elon is saying that about Microsoft and bashing them. But in the in, in, in meanwhile, he's he's developing his own AI and robotics toolings and stuff like that for for Tesla. Right. So let's move on to the next topic. So we see here Tornado Cash developer Alex Pertsev to be released from prison. Finally, this is crazy. I think it's been almost over a year. Let's see here. This article says Alex Alex Pertsev, a developer of Tornado Cash, will soon be released from prison. Pertsev spent nearly nine months behind bars. The developer was detained by Dutch officials in August 2022. This is crazy. He was accused of participating in money laundering through Tornado Cash cryptocurrency mixers, right? According to this two reports, Pertsev will be released on April 26th. So he's already been released now, guys, um, as of the recording of this video, right? So it says, which is also his birthday. However, the developer is far from being cleared of charges. Pertsev is currently facing suspended release under surveillance. He will be under surveillance while he awaits trial from home. Persev would be placed under surveillance with an ankle monitor during the suspended release period. A Dutch judge early in November 2022 rejected the developer's request to be released under surveillance on the grounds that Persev posed a flight risk. <laughs> Persev was a key player in Tornado's operations, according to the prosecutors or the prosecution. In February 2022, the developer's bail request was once again rejected. 
So what went wrong with Tornado Cash? Tornado Cash is a cryptocurrency mixer that is deployed by users who want anonymity in their transactions, right? Which you should be able to have anonymity to transactions. If I give my grandma $100 or give my mom $200 for a birthday or whatever, why does the government need to know that? Whether that's through cryptocurrency or that's through physical cash, why do you want to know that? But anyways, they're phasing out the physical cash portion of it. But why do you need to know these little things? You know, why do you need to know what I'm buying and what I'm purchasing? You know, why do you need to know? I understand maybe the companies that are trying to mine data from from consumers to be able to leverage the data to, as I said, sell sell the data to the marketers so they can then market better to the end consumer. But from the government perspective, what 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 do they need? The free market is doing just fine. And so anyways, it says a mixer, as the name suggests, mixes different cryptocurrencies and users' transactions become untraceable. Mixers are frequently used by illicit players, not true, in the crypto space. Because of the, because of the flow of illegal funds into the platform, Tornado Cash found itself in a battle with several authorities. The platform has allowed several millions of dollars worth of illicit crypto funds to be washed. And so on August 8th, the U.S. Treasury Department added dozens of addresses from the platform to the Office of Foreign Asset Control Sanctions list. Percef was detained in the Netherlands shortly thereafter, right? And it's crazy that they can detain you and hold you in a prison cell while you await trial for months at a time for allegations that yet have not been proven to be true for something that you built for the open web for people to use to be able to protect their financial anonymity, which we should have our God-given right to do because we trade our time for our money and our money should be able to be used in whatever way we choose because it's a direct correlation to our time that we spent to acquire it. But yet you're trying to say that we don't even own that. It's crazy. It's crazy, guys. But anyways, let's let's move on to the next topic, guys. So it says here, Texas passes new bill. And so it says crypto exchanges must provide proof of reserves. Right. And so this is this is nice. I like this, you know, to protect a little bit the end user, show proof of reserves, just basically show your public wallets and see if everything is tracking, have a forensic accountant go through these exchanges, especially if they're registered in the U.S. And yeah, it says Texas has passed a bill to um, for a new bill requiring crypto exchanges to provide their proof of reserves. The Texas House of Representatives passed the bill Thursday marking a major step in transparency between exchanges and their users. Nice. Yeah, this is awesome, guys. I like this. I like what Texas is doing. I know they're more crypto friendly. And so it's good to see them striving to create more regulatory clarity. And this is this this bill actually helps protect the end user. Now, what what they're doing over the SEC, I don't know what they're doing over there besides manipulating the markets. That's all they're doing. But anyways, let's move on to the next thing. It says here, the first U.S. nuclear-powered Bitcoin mining plant deploys miners. Nice. So Terra Wolf 
announced today that the company has now fully energized its 50-MW stake in the Nautilus crypto mine facility, right? It is the first ever US nuclear powered Bitcoin mining plant. The Nautilus facility is the first of its kind. The mining facilities are powered by more than 91% zero carbon energy. That's pretty cool. Wow. This is pretty cool, guys. And um, it says here too as well, it says deploying 50W, 50MW of mining capacity of the Natilius facility is an important milestone for the company. Not only does it represent the first nuclear-powered Bitcoin mining facility in the U.S., but Terra Wolf now has the opportunity to realize the economic advantage of 50MW of zero-carbon mining at the at what is arguably the lowest, sorry, excuse me, the lowest contracted power cost in the sector. And it, it says it's just two cents per kilowatt for the term of five years. So not only is it carbon, zero carbon mining, but then also it's capital efficient too as well. So this is interesting. Yeah, hopefully they, they follow up on this so I can get more news on this. But yeah, this is this is cool. Let's move on to the next thing. And so it says Abu Dhabi global market proposes decentralized economy, right? I know that Abu Dhabi actually released, I think it was, was it a hundred million dollar liquidity bootstrapping fund for new innovative ideas and projects, like a sort of venture capital type of fund to sort of facilitate the people who have ideas to come develop in Abu Dhabi. But I have to look into that a little bit more. But anyways, it says the... Registration Authority of the Abu Dhabi Global Market recently published a consultation paper. The same put forth proposals for a legal framework for distributed ledger technology, right? So blockchain. The authority's key proposal for the new regime revolve around the structure of the distributed ledger technology foundations or the DLT, right? Governance and control tokens, token holder voting, reporting and disclosures, beneficiaries, profit distribution, supervision, liquidation, or voluntary strike-off and insolvency. The authority is currently seeking public feedback and comments on it. As far as the last date it is concerned, the document noted, the deadline for providing comments on the proposed framework is Friday, 12 May, 2023. After receiving your comments, we shall consider whether any modifications are required to proposals and the ADGM board of directors will then proceed to enact the proposal in their final form. Right? Yeah. So this is super interesting. I know Abu Dhabi, man, they're making a lot of different developments over there too as well. And yeah, just the United Emirates in general, man, really, really interesting location to potentially want to look into to move especially if you don't want to be bothered by people who don't know how to make regulations properly and try to give you random wells noses whenever they feel like it and try to manipulate the markets and try to overly tax and so on and so forth yada 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 let's move on to the next thing so zimbabwe to create a new digital currency backed by gold now this is this is pretty funny, man, because Zimbabwe, I don't know if you guys know, but Zimbabwe has been experiencing hyperinflation for the longest, right? I think like 
anyone can be a trillionaire in Zimbabwe and you can have like a trillion dollars and doesn't it barely buys anything right and so anyways it says Zimbabwe has taken a step ahead in the digital currency sector with plans to create a new digital currency global nations around the world have shown interest in launching their own digital currencies at the same time one primary issue is the nations wanted to overcome was the decentralized nature of cryptocurrencies for this sole reason several nations have launched digital currencies backed by assets including gold right and yeah so it says the launch of the digital currency is envisioned to stabilize the local unit additionally it is also aimed at preventing it from depreciating against the u.s dollar the statement was shared by by the central bank governor john Mangudia, and it says here the digital currency will allow users who are holding even small amounts of zimbabwe dollars to exchange their money for digital tokens so they want to basically lock them into a cbdc dystopia like they're trying to do in nigeria now that's basically how i'm translating that for you guys to understand the dystopianese if you will and so anyways it says these this will allow them to store value to hedge against the current currency volatility the thing is that's funny about this is why would they need to use a cbdc or government issued distributed ledger technology technological blockchain cryptocurrency tool financial tool whatever you want to call it cbdc right central bank digital currency why would they need to use that when there's already Bitcoin. It doesn't make any sense at all, right? Why would why why would they? Because they're supposed to trust the government who's been hyperinflating their currency and robbing people of their purchasing power for years. And now all of a sudden they're supposed to trust these people. Oh no, guys, it's safe now. You know we we have distributed tech uh, ledger technology. You know. We're putting the currency on chain, so it's going to be much safer. No, you're just going to be monitored even more and you're going to be in dystopia. And yeah, it's 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 absolutely madness to me that these governments, I don't know how this is. This is where this is a monumental moment, in my opinion, for humankind and the history of humanity. Will humans be so fooled? to transition their money into a financial dystopia or fight back and choose something that's decentralized and gives power to the people in a system that's open source that anyone can use and join in and nobody controls as opposed to a more closed source system that can rob you still of your purchasing power and can determine when or when not you can buy, purchase goods and services. And I think people don't really understand that this is this is this is a fight for freedom, man. Like you need to start paying attention. A lot of countries start to roll out their CBDC and people just think it's just like PayPal. I'm like, no, it's not. Every single thing you do and purchase and wherever you go will be monitored that is their plan so anyways guys let's move on man we're almost we're almost done i hope i hope you're staying with me through this we're almost done guys i know this is a little bit long longer than expected i think but anyways 
It says Bangladesh pays nuclear plant loan to Russia and Chinese yuan in latest example of U.S. dollar failing. So yet again, you have another country, another country, right? That's not using U.S. dollars. That's that's choosing to opt out into either the Chinese yuan or their own currency, right? It says here in what is another example of de-dollarization pursued by BRICS. Bangladesh pays a nuclear plant loan to Russia in the Chinese yuan. Moreover, the country is set to pay approximately 318 million worth of yuan for a loan payment. Western sanctions imposed on Russia made it impossible for Bangladesh to execute the payment in dollars. Conversely, the development follows a previous statement from the U.S. Secretary Janet Yellen on sanctions potentially hurting the U.S. dollar. Duh. Of course they are. Of course they are, right? So we'll, we'll continue to see this push for countries looking for alternatives as the U.S. was weaponizing the, the, the U.S. dollar, you know, via the sanctions. And other countries are starting to see that and realize, wait a minute, maybe I don't want this counterparty risk of holding so much of these U.S. dollars in my reserves and in our balance sheet. Maybe we need to de-risk a bit. My thing is what happens when enough of these countries start to de-risk and start dumping the dollars and there's an influx of dollars in circulation and people stop buying the bonds. I think then that would be that the moment of hyperinflation for the US dollar, but I don't know. But the numbers dictate that if there's more supply in circulation compounded by the fact that we are not producing enough well, then that would devalue our currency and purchasing power. Obviously, this won't happen simultaneously as countries are doing it incrementally. But over the course of time, there will be more and more devaluation of the currency. And we will be having more and more of a less let we have less of a purchasing power over the course of time. You know, it's inevitable. And this is this is the reality. This is the reality of the situation. People want to turn a blind eye to it. People don't even know what. People don't even know what inflation is. Most people don't even know what money is. But for those who do know a bit about it and and do know a little bit of the facts and choose to turn a blind eye to it and just raise their hands up in the air and like, well, you know, it's inflation, you know, whatever. You know, like, what are you going to do? My eggs are like 20 bucks now. And it's like, at some point, if you keep... Here's my issue too as well, right? This is another thing I didn't really talk about. But you have an issue with the aging population, right? So you have the largest cohort in most areas around the world is the boomers, right? And now the boomers are living longer. And so the government has to subsidize the boomers, right? And if they're subsidizing the boomers for an expected three decades past the the time frame that they start retiring to four decades, as opposed to the one decade that they were thinking of, well, that means that they that they are going to run out of money, right? Because there's just not enough money to go around and they're going to have to print to make the difference. And so you have that going on. Then you have the issue of AI. And so AI is going to take a lot of the labor force out of the economy. And so there's going to be less tax dollars that can be collected from Eventually, over the course of time, less tax dollars that can be collected, right? Income taxes from the general population. Also, you have the issue of a decrease in fertility rates. 
And so there's going to be less and less people in the workforce anyways over time. So you have a multitude of different things happening at the same time and people aren't really paying attention. And then if they have to print the difference or issue out bonds or whatever they need to do to make the difference up for the deficit, well, then that's just going to squeeze the middle class even more for the people who don't own any assets. So anyways, that's just some food for thought, guys. So let's let's move on to the next thing. And so it says China's Jiangsu city employees to employees receive. Oh, why can't I speak? China's Jiangsu city employees to receive salaries in digital yuan. Right. And yeah, so this is, again, just part of the transition for China to start the dystopia right and this is a report that came out in april 20 in 20 the 24th of april right and it says according to this official report employees in changsu china will receive their salaries in, in digital yuan from may 2023 the digital yuan is china cbdc essential and the central bank is pushing for more adoption right so man <laughs> scary stuff man Scary stuff. Um, I don't even know what to say. I'm, 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 I, I, I feel like I'm. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a, in a movie, you know. And you know, I always refer back to the Matrix because it's literally the times in which we're living in, where everything's going digital, but it's not going digital in the way that is decentralized and open source. It's going digital in a way that one singular entity controls every single aspect of our lives and China's already executing, you know, they have over a billion people in their country and I'm sure those people would like to, some people maybe would like to escape that system that they're in, but it won't just be China. It's not like one of those things where it's like, Oh, it's just what China's doing. The E Euro is rolling out. The, the app is rolling out. in I think October, the fed now is rolling out in July. And so this isn't just like, oh, this is just a China or Eastern minded. No, this is like a global phenomenon that's happening at a rapid pace. And people think it's going to happen in 2030. No, this is happening now. This year, people are rolling out their betas now. And so I think people really need to pay attention to these things as they continue to happen so they can know how to maneuver and to protect themselves from completely being obliterated. So anyways, let's let's move on to the next thing. And so here we see BRICS, right? Again, so 19 nations submit membership request ahead of annual summit for the BRICS. <laughs> so it says here the growing prominence of the BRICS countries is only set to continue expanding as 19 nations have submitted membership request ahead of their annual sum- summit. Wherever the event is set to take place in South Africa this summer, as a host of nations are seeking entry. Earlier this year, the BRICS collective made it known that they were open to new members. Additionally, as the bloc of countries has surpassed the G7 nations in GDP. Very important, guys. It seems expansion could continue to implement a shift in the global power uh, balance, specifically amidst their continued efforts to replace the U.S. dollar in international trade. Now, will they will they succeed? Right? Will they succeed? I'm not entirely sure. 
I'm not entirely sure if people want to be able to trust them. But if there's more nations, this is how I see things. People think that the, the BRICS is going to be controlled by China and, and Russia. But it may not go the way in which people think. What I think is more realistic is that you have maybe a bundle of like 50 countries or so all in the same organization and they conduct trade within this organization using one unified currency right and everyone is in agreement on it and maybe they leverage the blockchain to be able to track everything to make sure everything's legit and maybe they back that by gold will they have enough gold to be able to facilitate that i don't know but that is kind of how i foresee things and if they're all unified and there's not one single person that really controls it and they come up with some kind of economic council or something like that like the like the eu has something similar right to be able to sort of facilitate the mon the monitoring of and the financial forensics of this currency then i think perhaps it could work and play out to really challenge the us dollar significantly but yeah that's just kind of what i think but again as we push again for more and more de-dollarization this is just another one of those things to really, really pay attention to moving forward in the next 5, 10, 15 years as the U.S. dollar reserves continues to lose dominance globally. And so let's move on. So Visa announces ambitious crypto product roadmap, right? And again, guys, the mass media is telling you, look over here, but don't look over here while MasterCard and Visa are making moves in the back end with crypto and no one's paying attention. And it says here, one of the largest digital payment companies in the world has made it clear its intentions to, to drive the digital asset industry forward. Specifically, the head of crypto at Visa, Kai Sheffield, has announced the company's ambitious crypto product roadmap to add mainstream adoption of public blockchain networks, right? Sheffield took to Twitter to call it for interesting software engineers to lend their expertise to the company. Moreover, it presented yet another significant development regarding the payment technology company's foray into the digital asset industry, right? And it also says here that there are a few finance companies that are as prevalent or widely known as Visa. Additionally, the company has made it clear its intention to be part of the financial revolution that cryptocurrency has shown itself to be. Subsequently, they have continued that intention today, specifically the head of crypto at Visa, Kai Sheffield. Uh, we just read that, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and it also says here, at the, it says, uh, additionally, Sheffield linked to an official Visa page regarding the potential engineer position. Within it, Visa stated that its crypto team is building the next generation of products to facilitate commercial commerce in everyone's digital and mobile lives. The post stated that the team is set to build intuitive features that expose profound new value for uh, our customers, while also calling for engineers with vast experience and passion regarding the Web3 stack of technologies, right? So yeah, Visa needs... There's always a there's always a low the low supply of Web three developers. Now, is Visa what are they going to pay these developers, and would these developers choose centralization over decentralization? Because Visa is trying to integrate crypto, but in a centralized fashion, 
where they're monitoring everything, whereas the Web3 version is more decentralized, right? And I believe Web3 developers get paid more in the Web3 space as opposed to these Web2 companies that are just maybe integrating a portion of Web3 into their ecosystem somehow, right? Through a tokenization model or through a payment solution or wherever, right? And so I don't know how far they're going to get with this. I don't know if they're going to be able to attract the demand that they want from developers. It depends, I guess, on how much they're paying. Because I know Haskell developers, for instance, on Cardano, were making like 20 grand a month, right? And, you know, Cardano, they haven't really been able to deliver much because of the tooling, right? And so, again, this is something to really keep in mind moving forward. But, yeah, let's move on to the final, last and final topic. So, Binance will list Pepe and Floki in the innovation zone, right? Guys, I I missed this one. You know, I'm going to be honest. You know, um, I was into meme season last cycle. I did invest in Safe Moon and made a lot of money from it. And Pepe has just continued to pump. It's it's ridiculous. I think it's a top 50 cryptocurrency right now. And I guess it's going to establish itself <laughs> as one of the top meme coins in the industry, man. This is, I guess it's meme season early, man. I don't know. I didn't expect meme season to be, to be happening this early, but I guess that's the case, you know. And despite what everyone is saying in regards to when I say everyone, I'm talking about the mass media, right? What they're saying in regards to how the cryptocurrency won't survive or whatever the case, and they keep trying to throw shade on Bitcoin, the the industry is, is live and thriving. And people continue to leverage tokenization models packaged with really good marketing to be able to pump their bags. And I can't be mad at it, man. You know, get your get your coin, get your money. If people in the market is finding it value and tossing money into it, then why not? It's not something that's really for me to hold long term, but I do do meme coin investing from time to time in regards to trying to just make a profit and take profits and move into something more safe and has real world utility, you know. But yeah, that's the final piece of news for today, guys. I'm super exhausted. (laughs) Lots and lots of talking. But I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Sorry to go a little bit over the time limit, but this news was really, really important. Had to get this information out to you guys, man. Hope you enjoyed it, man. And peace.